Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Palm Sunday worship of the Village Church. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad that you have joined with us today for worship. I'd like to remind you of some further opportunities coming just around the corner for your worship and participation in the life of the church. This is, of course, the beginning of Holy Week, and so this coming Thursday on April 1st, Monday Thursday, we will have worship at the church at 7 o'clock in the evening and also an online option available beginning that day. On Good Friday, the next day, we will have a prayer walk from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You need to come to the church for that experience, and we'd invite you to spend as much or as little time as you have in prayer and reflection on the sacrifice of Christ. Then, of course, on Easter, the single biggest day in the Christian year, we will have worship at 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock in the morning on the campus, outside on the patio, and an online version will be available to you as well. In whatever way you are able, we invite you to join the community of the Village Church from wherever you are around the world as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. There are many other opportunities for mission, for education, for fellowship and service in the life of the church. And to learn about those, I would refer you to our weekly emails or to the church website to get further information. We have some beautiful flowers in worship today with us that are in memory of Shirley Dunn. Shirley is Steve Dunn's mother, Jennifer's mother-in-law, and Zoe and Bryn Dunn's grandmother. And so we celebrate Shirley's life in this way today. Friends, let's focus our hearts and our minds and our very souls on the living God, and let's be called together to worship in these words of the 24th Psalm. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Friends, let's worship God. Lord of earth and heaven rode on in love. 
this Palm Sunday, we're reminded how much Jesus longed for the people of God to come back to the Father. When he entered the city of Jerusalem, he said, how often would I gather you together, my children, as a hen would gather her brood under her wings, but she would not have it. Brothers and sisters, let us not ignore the love of God our Father. Let us confess our sins and be reunited. Will you please join me in the prayer of confession? Eternal God, in Jesus Christ, you entered Jerusalem to die for our sins. We confess that we have not hailed you as king or gone before you in the world with praise. For brief faith that fades in trouble, for enthusiasms that fizzle out, for hopes we parade but do not pursue, have mercy on us. Forgive us, God, and give us such trust in your power that in every city we may live for justice and tell of your loving kindness for the sake of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear now these words of assurance from Psalm 118. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I call to the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. In Christ Jesus, we are forgiven and set free. Thanks be to God. He is our salvation. Amen. Having been reconciled to Christ and through Christ to our Father, let us pass to one another the peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you. I encourage you to go out into the world and share that peace with everyone. Amen.
morning, Kids Village, and happy Palm Sunday. Today is the start of the Holy Week, and that means that we are getting excited and preparing our hearts to thank Jesus for the ultimate sacrifice that he made for us when he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. That third day is Easter, and that is next Sunday, and there's a few things that are happening this week before we get to Easter, and I wanted to make sure that we talk about that this morning. If you are on our mailing list, you should be expecting an Easter basket that looks a little something like this, and I'm not going to show you everything that's inside because I want you all to be surprised. One of the things that I can show you that's inside your Easter baskets are these Ziploc baggies that have all the items that you're going to need for story time with Pastor Jack during extravaganza. When is extravaganza? It is the day before Easter, Saturday, April 3rd, and it's going to start at 9 o'clock online and you can find that video on the church website. If you are going to be with us on Easter, just know that we are going to be holding Sunday school for grades K through six, and we would be more than happy to put you on our list to make sure that we know that you all are coming. So if you're coming, you can go ahead and send that RSVP to my email. One of the things that we want you all to do this week is when you pray to Jesus, just thank him for making the ultimate sacrifice as he died on the cross for our sins to save us. So when you pray to Jesus, just go ahead and thank him for that this week. We look forward to seeing you all during our drop-offs. And if we see you next week for Easter, if we aren't able to see you, we hope that you all enjoy the online services and everything that will be there. All right, you guys, have a great week. Bye-bye.
sure and certain promise of God's love for us in Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, let us come to the Lord in prayer. On this Palm Sunday, O God, things are different. No children waving palm branches in processions, no collective singing of hosannas, loud hosannas, no exultant crowds here or anywhere. The streets are quiet. What resonates is the image of you, Jesus, weeping over Jerusalem, crying for a people surrounded by enemies who do not know the things that make for peace. Our tiny lethal enemy is invisible to the naked eye. We jump when people cough. We eye each other suspiciously, not knowing where the danger is lurking. We fear for all the vulnerable and we fear for ourselves. As our lives are overturned and restrictions are put in place, it's not business as usual. Anxiety settles like a dense cloud over all the world. We need you more than ever, Lord Jesus. There is a lethal poison which many don't see and which many experience. You come to us. You arrive humbly, unnoticed by many, cheered by some. You arrive in the early morning cars of health workers showing up for their shifts. You arrive on 18 wheels as truckers unload groceries and essential supplies. You arrive by public transit as scientists head to their labs day in and day out searching diligently for answers. You arrive on foot as neighbors deliver meals to seniors stranded at a home. You arrive in the ricochet of signals off satellites as cyberspace messages of love circle our globe, millions reaching out to say, are you okay? I miss you. You come as caregivers providing needed vaccinations after long-awaited appointments. You come as a person of color, a migrant, a refugee, you come as the vulnerable, the ignored, the forgotten. You come as the counselor, the consoler, the comforter in our grieving, in our mourning. You come as wisdom when we have more questions than answers. You arrive as a protector of scared children, hundreds of them, and millions of faceless others trafficked and separated. You come entering the gates on the road to the cross to die for us, to die with us, to die because of us. God, hear our prayer from the lonesome valleys of this world and from the endemic of injustices, disparities, inequities, and all other names we struggle to describe what ails us in our common humanity. Open our hearts to the possibility that today is a day of our visitation. 
you walk triumphantly through closed doors, hardened hearts, boxed-in minds, hurting lives, meeting us where others cannot come. Accept our solitary hosannas and gather us together in prayer. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, who taught us to pray using these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to John. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look! Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went out to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, a reading from the letter to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. The Word of the Lord. What in the world do you think Jesus was thinking as he rode into Jerusalem that day? Here are some options, some things maybe that Jesus was thinking. Maybe he was thinking to himself that, wow, this is really cool to, to ride into Jerusalem in this ticker tape parade. It's just like the guys coming home from war. Maybe he was thinking, wow, this is cool. It's just like a, a homecoming celebration after winning the national title. Maybe he was thinking, well, this is kind of an in-your-face sort of thing, isn't it, Rome? Jerusalem, you're going to have to deal with me now. Or maybe he was thinking, hmm, maybe this will make them all forget about the Passover because this is all about me, the Son of God. Well, maybe Jesus was thinking some of those things, but maybe not. What was actually going on 
as Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day. There are some clues for us from the text and also the context. It was the time of the Passover, in some sense the equivalent of the Jewish Independence Day, and the crowds in Jerusalem make spring break crowds look small and insignificant by comparison. The people were waving palm branches, the palm branches that we have here. They were shouting out to Jesus, Hosanna, which means save us. It was a welcome, really, fit for a king because, in a way, the people hoped that Jesus was their king and would be their king, who would organize them and lead them into victory over the Romans, perhaps. Maybe the people were just hyped up because of the news that Jesus had recently resurrected Lazarus from the dead, and they were in a frenzy waiting to see who he was and what he was all about. We know that the Pharisees apparently were petrified because here was someone now whose words and life were a direct confrontation, a confrontation to their neatly organized and self-serving system. What about the Romans? Well, the Romans were probably somewhat aware, but not too concerned. After all, they had the army. And so here's Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, an animal of peace and work, not a horse, an animal of war. And Jesus had no army, unless you wanted to count all of the rabble of people who followed him. Well, we who have already seen the movie, we who already know the end of the story, we know that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to sacrifice himself. The hatred, the fear, the evil, the death of the world, the ways of the world, if you will, would destroy Jesus. But Jesus was following the plan of the Father. The plan was to confront and then redeem a wayward world. I like to think of it this way, that Jesus' ride into Jerusalem was all about loving the world. Well, about 25 years later, someone who had hated Jesus and hated his followers, someone whom Jesus had confronted on another road, the one to Damascus, someone who now followed Jesus, was teaching other people how to follow. I think that that person, Paul, was thinking about Jesus the whole time that he wrote his letter to the Romans. And so as he wrote, he said to the Romans, friends, sacrifice yourselves, just as Jesus did, but make it a living sacrifice. Become like Jesus. Doing that will transform you, and in your transformation, you will not so much confront the world, but you will not be conformed to it either. 
and in your new way of living, Jesus' way, you will confront the wayward world ways of the world. As you become like Jesus, Paul said, you will become holy and acceptable and good and, and even, Paul dares to use the word, even perfect. Then Paul gave some examples of this otherworldly, maybe even anti-worldly way of living that we who follow Jesus learn as we follow him. It is a way of humility, a way of community, a way of truth and education, a way of generosity and compassion. As he continued to think about the way of Jesus in the world that we are learning and living and that Paul learned and lived as he followed Jesus, the one who rode into Jerusalem, Paul said, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. I have to think that Paul was thinking about all the things that Jesus did and said in his life as he encouraged the ancient Romans and as he encourages us now to live. Let's think about it again. What did Jesus do? He fearlessly sacrificed himself. He created a violence-free revolution. He ensured the survival of a new nation, the nation of the church, that would eventually encompass the whole world. And he defeated evil and death. You and I are part of all of that as the community of people who believe in Jesus, who believe and trust Jesus, and who participate in the community of faith, his family, that he creates into being. And so the question is, what do we do now? It's one thing to celebrate Palm Sunday and say, wow, Jesus rode into Jerusalem and, and he died on the cross, but he rose from the grave. And aren't we glad? Because that means when we die, we're going to heaven too. There's much more to it than that. That certainly is part of it, but that's not all of it. What do we do now? Well, of course, the first thing we do is to proclaim the message. We propagate the message. We promote the message. Jesus did something that changed and still is changing the world. So that's the first thing that we do. But there is something else that we do. And that is that we live the way Jesus lived. We claim him not only as our Savior from death, but our Savior from a life that is full of, of Hatred, a life that is full of evil, a life that's full of self-centeredness, a, a life that does not love other people in the way that, that Jesus loved us. So how do we do that? How do we love mutually and genuinely and continually? How do we love so much that we learn actually how to hate 
evil. Well, I think that learning to love is the easier of the two things. We'll talk about hate in a moment. How do we love? There are millions of books out there and all kinds of podcasts and gurus that will tell you all about love. And, and certainly there's lots to learn from many of them. But here are some ideas that, that maybe will help you today. Let me encourage you to think about someone who has loved you well. Someone who, by your relationship with them, you felt loved. You knew you were loved. You were, you were, you were treated with respect and dignity and provided with the things that you needed. That's what, what loving is all about. Think about someone who's done that for you. And then think about how you can do that for others. Love is partly emotion, of course, but emotion must result in action. And so think about someone whom you love today and how you can find perhaps a new way of turning your emotion into action. What are you going to do that demonstrates, that, that embodies and realizes that love for someone. Ask God, perhaps, and then ask someone else, where you can learn to grow in your ability to love. None of us loves perfectly. All of us can learn more about how sometimes when we think we're actually loving people, we're not. And, and, and sometimes we are, there are new things that we can learn, new methods, new techniques, new actions, new possibilities, new ways of thinking that actually do bring love into reality, concrete, actual reality. Maybe there was a time when Jesus said, you know, Father, I've come into the world to demonstrate your love to the world. How are we going to do that? And then they came up with a plan. Who knows? So those are some of my suggestions about how we can learn and actually then live out the love that we want to have for God and for each other. But let's talk about hatred for a moment, too. Love is not so much of a problem in the world. When people are genuinely loving in the world, everything's going well, but, but hatred is a problem. I don't need to give you any list of the examples of the hatred that exists in our world today. You can come up with your own. But let me make a few comments about, about hatred and how hatred is so much easier to get wrong. You see, so often when we hate something, we hate with a self-righteous kind of hatred. Our hatred is often based in our anger or our frustration or our pride or our self-centered ways. We hate something that we don't like. We hate something that offends us. We hate something that disrupts the life, the way life is and, and, and the way we want life to be. Our hatred so often is more about what hurts us, but not about what hurts others. 
Hatred can be a convenient tool for imposing our will on someone else. Note I said our will, not God's will. It is far easier to say what is wrong than to discover and do what is right. In that way, love can be very difficult. Sometimes it's hard to know exactly how to love someone in the best way. But we can come up with all kinds of ways to hate them at a drop of a hat. Too often, of course, our hatred is focused on people rather than on behavior. Somewhere it is said, oh, maybe the Bible, that God loves the whole world that God loves every single one of the people that he creates. How can we hate those whom God loves? Now, that doesn't mean that God loves everything about us. God hates that in us which is not of him. God loves all people, but God hates the sin that is in all people, including us. And so when we think about our hatred, let's be aware of how difficult it is to learn how to hate in the right way, to learn to hate that which truly is evil, not who we think is evil, but that which is evil. There's a key difference there, and we need to learn it. We need to learn how to love well and how to hate well. It all starts with a deep inward look, with brutal honesty about who we are and who we are not. And sometimes we need others to be brutally honest with us. We need to look for that which is unlovable in ourselves because it's there. And then we need to look for that which is lovable in others. Now, we like to do it the other way around. We like to look for what is lovely in ourselves and then focus on that which is unlovely in other people. But that's really not a good spiritual practice. The better spiritual practice is to look to ourselves and say, God, this is where I need your help. This is where I'm not living up to who you made me to be. And then to accept God's love and forgiveness for that. And then as we look at other people, we're far better off to start with how God loves them and what is lovable in them. If we do those two things, we will learn much more completely about loving well and hating well. Eventually, we have to ask God. And we have to trust that God will give us answers. We have to ask God to teach us how to love and to teach us how to hate, not because hate is in and of itself a good thing. Hating that which is evil is really just the opposite side of loving that which is good. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, certainly he knew that there were those among the crowd and others in the city who would hate him. And yet, because of his love for them, he was able to keep going, to ride into the city and to ride into his fate, a fate of suffering, 
a fate of suffering the, the evil that could be thrown at him from so many different directions, but then to transcend the hatred with his love, and eventually then to transcend the death that awaited him with the life that God would give him again. As I was writing this sermon, there was a reflection in my computer screen coming from the window behind me, a reflection of waving palm branches. And it occurred to me that people waved to Jesus with their palm branches as he entered into Jerusalem. Their waving was all about their worship, all about their hope. It occurs to me maybe that God is waving at us with every palm branch that we see waving in the breeze. God is calling us continually to come away from the world's way, to follow him. As he rides into the world on that humble donkey, as he rides into the teeth of hell to defeat evil with love and to defeat death with life. Palm Sunday may mean many things to all of us and certainly does. But to me, Palm Sunday is all about how love rode into Jerusalem and rode into the worst that the world could offer so that the best that God could give the world himself could teach us a new pathway to follow, a new way to live, that as we follow it, we'll correct the ways of the wayward world and bring them back to God. Let's learn how to love, shall we? Amen. Let us respond to God's word read and proclaimed through the sacred words of Romans chapter 8. In one voice and one heart, let us affirm the faith. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
What do you see when you survey the wondrous cross? What I see is someone who had to die in order to convince me of my own sin and to convince me of the power of love. What I see is someone whose life is the perfect model for my own. What I see is someone who is with me every step of the way as I confront the evil that's in me and as I learn to love myself and especially to love others. Will you join me in that way? Lord, forgive our misguided hate. Empower our feeble attempts at love and then make us disciples who are worthy of that name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Amen. Amen.